All right, go ahead and grab your Bible tonight. Turn back to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. And this morning, our message uh, was also from this chapter, if you recall. And uh, we uh, read this morning down through verse number 14. And tonight, I'm going to pick up in verse number 15. And I will take the time to read down through the end of the chapter. And so if you'll follow along with me, and uh, we'll go ahead and bring our message from the second part of John chapter number 14. So let's begin reading in verse number 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, <clears throat> for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it can come to pass, that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. This morning we looked at the first part of John 14, and I gave attention to the first verse, the first phrase, let not your heart be troubled. And we spoke about um, a John 14 perspective. And how we deal in this world, and it's all in how we look at things as a child of God. And a child of God, we should look at things differently than anybody else does. And one, one way to uh, look at the things that go on in our own life, things that go on in our world, is to look at it through a John 14 perspective. Uh, as we read, there's so much in the second part of this chapter as well, but uh, I want to, this, this, uh, this evening, take the second part of this chapter. And the title of my message is this, More. John 14 perspective. And I want to take the second part of this chapter tonight and just highlight some things to, as a continuation from this morning's message of just more from John 14 perspective. 
And as the world continues to change around us, uh, whether it's in our own little world, the things that we have to deal with, or in the big picture, the world around us, we need to continue to look at life through the perspective of the Word of God. The Word of God is our lens that we need to look through. Uh, So tonight we're going to look at some more (coughs) John 14 uh, perspective. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight as we look into your Word. uh, How many times uh, throughout uh, the years and the decades and the centuries, these very words that we'll look at tonight have offered comfort. Uh, they've, They've offered perspective. We ask that the Spirit of God would do it one more time tonight. And Father, may we be reminded of some important truths, some important principles that will uh, strengthen your people, uh, that will, uh, in areas that we need to be convicted, will convict us. And Father, may we be reminded uh, of our responsibilities as a child of God. Uh, Bless the service tonight. We ask once again that you strengthen our people, bring healing to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Certainly, as we think of Uh, The first verse, the first phrase, let not your heart be troubled. And certainly I want to remind us tonight that no matter what goes on around us, we should not be troubled. I very quickly remind you the the perspective that these disciples had in the previous chapter, what what Christ had just told them. Uh, I remind you they had left everything, their way of life, what they had known to follow Christ. And now he tells them that he's going to leave them. Not only does he tell them that he's going to leave them, and you must think, that w- their, their question is, what are we to do? We, we go where he says we're going. We do what he says that we do. If he's not with us, how are we going to know where to go? How are we going to know what to do? And on top of that, he tells them that one of you is a traitor. One of you is going to betray me. And then, by the way, Peter, I know you, you talk the, the most. You're going to deny me. And they're dealing with all of this, and then he gets their attention and says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled by what I've just told you. And you and I need to be reminded tonight that we should not be troubled. But I want to very quickly, before I get into the outline tonight, draw your attention to verse number 27, which parallels with let not your heart be troubled. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. We're going to look at several things that Christ told these disciples leading up to verse number 27, and we'll look at a couple of verses after verse 27. But I want to take this verse tonight to kind of lay the foundation for more John 14 perspective. Uh, To know Christ is to know peace, is to have peace. Uh, One of the things I highlighted this morning and I spent some time on is the fact that my future is secure. If you're saved, your future is secure. What's going to happen in this world? I don't know what's going to happen in this world, but I know this, we win. I know this, my future is secure. I know this, you know, when my life comes to an end, life is really beginning in eternity. So our future is secure. There's peace that comes with knowing that. Uh, maybe tonight you think back to when before you got saved or before you got your salvation settled, how uh, restless and how much peace you did not have and how much peace came uh, when, you, when you placed your, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't know how, but we are assured uh, that knowing Christ brings peace. 
Uh, and it certainly does something in the life of us as Christians when we place everything in the hands of God and we say, God, I'm going to let you control what it is that you control, and I'm just going to take care of the things that I need to take care of. And that's going to lead me into the outline tonight in peace comes from, as we talked about this morning, doing the work that God leaves us to do. <clears throat> peace comes by putting our focus on the one who is peace. Uh, you think back to uh, even some of the miracles that Christ did, and it seems like uh, several times the, the, the disciples are in a boat, and every time they went to a boat, a storm's going to come up. And the time when Jesus came walking on the water, and who was it? It was peace in the midst of the storm that, that, that they needed to put their eyes on. Or in another time, they were in a storm, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, and Jesus came forth and said, Peace be still. He is peace. And you and I need to be reminded of who we have in Christ. He's our salvation, and that salvation brings peace. He is God, and God brings peace. As we consider this, and Christ gives them the assurance that he is peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, and this is important for us to be reminded of tonight, not as the world giveth. Christian, you're going to be disappointed if you look for peace in this world. If you look for peace from this world. I don't understand Christians who try and get assurances from, from, from the things of this world that everything is going to be okay. There is no peace there. And to the young people that are here and those that are listening tonight, the world brings you no peace. There's no peace to be found in the world. Well, I've got to, I've got to know that I have this, and I've got to know that I've, I think, think financially everything is... Let me tell you, you where, where peace comes, there's nothing... No amount of money in the bank can give you peace like knowing that you're right with God, right in the center of God's will, and knowing that He's going to take care of you. That's the greatest peace you can have. There's no peace like being faced with your own mortality and knowing that your salvation is in Christ. There's peace that comes that this world cannot give. So just a reminder tonight, so from a John 14 perspective, we should not be looking to this world for our peace. We ought to be looking to Christ for our peace. And with that in mind, let me mention just a few things this evening. I won't keep you long uh, tonight. Uh, we'll be out before 9 o'clock at least. And so uh, I want you to look at uh, several things this evening as we look at more John 14 perspective. Let's look back. And we're going to read a few verses, but let me mention number one. Uh, we need to focus on keeping the commandments. Christ said, I'm going to leave, and here's some things I want you to remember. And he said, reminds them of the work. He reminds them of going to the Father on, on, with, on his behalf. But he reminds them several times about the commandments. Look at me in verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, there's a lot of people that say they love God, but yet they're not keeping anything that he has said to do. Well, I just love Jesus. Are you following his commandments? Because Jesus said, if you love me, this is how you're going to show me that you love me. Keep my commandments. That's what you and I need to be reminded of from a John 14 perspective tonight. This world can burn down around us. What am I supposed to do? Keep his commandments. I can have something unforeseen come into my life tonight in a new burden, a, a new disappointment. What am I to do? Keep his commandments. 
when you are faced with crisis in your life, what are you supposed to do? Keep His commandments. When you deal with burdens and heartache and and what are we what we're supposed to do in 2020 when all these different things came that we had no idea were going to come? What are we supposed to do? Well, I just want to show God I love him. How do I do that? I keep his commandments. So no matter what happens around us, the responsibility of a child of God, a disciple of Christ, never changes. We're to keep his commandments. That's what he says in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Look down at verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. Christ continues on this point. If he mentions it one time, we should pay close attention. But he continues to expound on this. Look at verse number 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. So Christ has established very clearly from his word... If you love me, can you think about this? I believe these disciples loved Jesus. They left everything for him. They loved him. Ultimately, they would all be martyred for him. I know that they failed, and I know Peter did deny, and I know that they scattered when, when time got, got tough. But before we're critical, uh, let's put ourselves in that situation. The bottom line is they were imperfect men, but I believe they loved the Lord. And how their heart must have been breaking when this one that we love and we have, have left everything for and given everything for, he's going to leave us. Now, he says, I'm going to come back. Well, that offers some comfort. And then he reminds them, he says, you know, while I'm away, if you're going to show that you love me, just keep my commandments. Just do what I've instructed you to do. And I think it's good for all of us to be reminded, you know, really, everything, we ought to live a, 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 a principled life. What does the Bible say? That's what I should do. Uh, I believe, and I think you're, you're right there with me, I believe that every, every question that we would face in life, there's an answer in the Bible. If there's not a very clear, thou shalt not, or do this, there's a Bible principle that can be established that will lead us to making the decision that God would have us to make. I believe that. So what am I to do in 2020? Well, if from a John 14 perspective, I should just focus on keeping the commandments. What should I do in 2021? From a, from a John 14 perspective, I should just focus on keeping the commandments. Uh, we, shouldn't, we don't have to figure out what is popular. We don't have to figure out what is socially accepted. We just need to know what God has said that we're supposed to do, what Christ has said. That, what is near to the heart of God? You think of what he was telling them and all the different teachings that he had given them. And he had said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he reminds them, if you love me, you'll keep my words. And then just so that he's clear, he says, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Um, I have to remind myself as a Christian, I think it's good for all of us to be reminded, that we are not going to be judged by this world. We're going to be judged by this very book. In my faithfulness as a Christian, let me say it like this, my faithfulness as one that keeps the commands of God is going to be judged by what God says that I'm supposed to do. Um, it's not going to be judged by a politically correct system. 
as a child of God, my perspective is I should be doing what God has told me to do. That is my focus. Can you imagine what would take place in the life of every Christian if every single one of us on a daily basis, we set our focus on today, I'm just going to obey God. Well, I have a problem that he's solving. Just obey God. Uh, do you ever feel like, you, you ever just, I don't even know how the best way to describe this, but just you have some time alone with God, you're by yourself, and you just feel the love of God. There are times when, well, I, 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 God, the Spirit of God will bring a, a song to my mind. And I'll just, man, God love, man, it's awesome to be loved by God. We read scripture that reminds us that God loves us. I don't know if you've ever, and I'm sure you do, and you think of how God loves you, and you say, I hope God knows how much I love him. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. I hope God knows how much I love him. I want this world to know how much I love God. Well, we need to be reminded from a John 14 perspective, there is a way for him to know how much we love him. And according to him, it is how we obey his commandments, how we obey his word. It doesn't mean as much to wear a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, as much as it does to just obey what Jesus said. Matter of fact, it means more to just do what God has said than to wear a WWJD bracelet or, or hashtag, you know, I love Jesus. And, you know, are you obeying his commands? Is WWJD still a thing? I don't know. Uh, you know, we ought to focus on just, well, what if, what if this happens in our political world? Well, I, I still should be showing God that I love him. What happens in my own life when something takes place? I still have responsibility to show God that I love him. Number two tonight, let me make this statement. From a John 14 perspective, let me remind all of us from the Bible, we are not alone. Here's this group of men, strong men. Um, I don't know if you, you've ever spent some time thinking about uh, maybe, maybe I just I think differently. I've, there's times I've thought about, and it's like, I remember, and you get a sense of some of their personalities, and the Bible tells us more about some of the disciples than it does others. These were men who were successful in their fields. They, from fishermen to tax collector, uh, different fields that they made a living in. Uh, I wonder what their personalities all were. I wonder how bullheaded they all were. I mean, Peter comes to mind. We know his personality. We know the Apostle John, his personality. We know Thomas. You know, most of you don't recognize the name Thomas because I didn't say doubting Thomas. We know, we know his personality. Um, but you put this dynamic of men together that would follow Christ and do his bidding. Now they are being told that he's going to leave and think about this. Their confidence in their mind is going with him. The works that they have done in his name, with his power, that's leaving. And while they all had each other, they knew that, he, that God was saying he was leaving them. 
But he gives them the assurance that they were not alone. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18 with me. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. How much comfort had Jesus provided for these men? I wonder at nights when they had no... I remind you what Jesus said. The birds have nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had no man to lay his head. There were times they had nowhere. They didn't have a bed. And I imagine there were times in that wilderness, in those areas where Jesus traveled, where they just camped out for the night. I wonder if there's ever t- any times of insecurity. But all they had to do was look over and see the Son of God. And they knew everything was going to be okay. He was their security. He was their strength. And now, he is telling them that your security is going to leave you. But, but, but watch this. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another comforter. There's going to come another who's going to offer the same comfort that I offered you, even though I'm not going to be with you. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but you and I need to be reminded that we are not alone. The same comfort that Jesus provided for those men when they could see him, when they could hear him, and when they could touch him, when they knew he was there, and that comfort and that security, the Holy Spirit of God should provide that same comfort for us, even though we can't see him as those men saw Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. I'm going, but I'm going to give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Uh, let me, from a John 14 perspective, let's, rem, let's be reminded, we're not alone. No matter what, sometimes things take place in our life and we feel all alone in carrying our burden. We feel all alone in understanding the experience that we're going through. And sometimes because I, I, I imagine those men, even though they're all there together, every one of them must have felt some sense of, of feeling alone. But, he's, but he reminds them that I'm going to send another so that you're never going to be alone. You know, doing the work of, uh, for God uh, is a big task. Uh, I think of those who are still rearing their children uh, Listen very carefully to every father. Listen to me. You are not capable of rearing your children. And moms, this is going to ruffle you the wrong way. You are not capable of rearing your children minus the help of God. You've got to have his help. And there are times when you don't know what to do. And you say, I feel all alone in this. No, you need the Lord. In our Christian life, in the things that he asks of us to do, he's commanded us to do in, in being a witness and to uh, be, be, uh, serving in ministry and the things that, the areas that we get to serve in. There are times when we feel very inadequate, we feel very alone. Let me remind you, you as a child of God are not alone. There's a spirit of God that dwells within you. There's a spirit of God that is with you. And what Jesus was telling them, while I have been with you, And we have been together. And I have said, 
we're going to go here, and this is what we're going to do in doing the work of the Father. There's coming another one who you are not going to be left alone. And may I remind all of us as God's children, we are not alone. This world, the Bible tells us, is going to get darker and darker and darker. And while there's going to be great opportunity to win people to Christ, there are going to be many, especially in this world system, that is going to reject God. And sometimes it seems like, and we are the minority, and sometimes we may feel like we're alone. Are we the only ones that believe this way? We're not, by the way. But we have somebody with us, and it is the Spirit of God. Uh, I think of our members who are in the hospital right now. One of the most frustrating things to me as their pastor is I can't go see them. I can't visit them. I can text them and tell them I'm praying for them. I can call them, and, and for some of them I can't even call. And I can tell them that I'm praying for them, I love them, and, and that's, that's, that's all I can do. It's frustrating for me not to be able to go see them. Because in essence, outside of their doctor and their nurses, they're all alone. Except they're not alone. While humanly speaking, I would love, I would feel much better if I could see them. And from their perspective, I could only imagine that it would encourage them. I mean, wouldn't this encourage you to see, walk into your hospital room? To, I'll just say, to see a loved one. And you can place whoever in that. But they are not, humanly speaking, they may be alone outside of doctors and nurses. But spiritually speaking, they are not alone. Because God is with them. The Spirit of God is with them. And there are times when you and I face things in our own life and we feel alone. I want to remind us from a John 14 perspective, you and I are never alone. Number three. The third statement tonight from more from a John 14 perspective is the Holy Ghost ministers to the believer. Now in chapter number 16, there's teaching on the Spirit of God and how His purpose in this world is, but we're reminded by Jesus in this passage of Scripture in verse number 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things... And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now Jesus gives them a picture of part of the, the ministry of the Spirit of God. I, Jesus had been teaching his disciples. He had been instructing them on things they needed to know and things they needed to do. Now their instructor is leaving. He says, now the Holy Ghost of God is coming. He's going to comfort you. But he, the Father sending him in my name. He shall teach you all things. I, I don't know if I'm imagining this has all happened with everybody in here. Have you ever read the Word of God and had one of those aha moments? That's what that means. That's what God's talking about. Uh, what, that's the Spirit of God, teaching, instructing, uh, giving the instruction. Uh, that's, why, um, that's why a lost person has a hard time understanding this book because they don't have the Spirit of God to give them the understanding. 
Uh, that's why uh, lost people, you, you, they try and quote scripture, and you're like, I don't think that's the most popular one is judge not, lest you be not judged. I'm like, I don't think that's what that means. They, because they don't have the Spirit of God to give them an instruction. Uh, how can you and I know the mind of God except God enlighten us in the Spirit of God? That's why when you go to the Word of God, you need to make sure that your relationship with Him. And that's why the old saying, I'm not the first to say it, and you've probably all heard it in, in some form or fashion, uh, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin, because uh, if the Holy Spirit of God is going to teach you and instruct you, uh, He needs to have that ability, and sin does, does not need to be in the way. But He not only ministers in the fact that He will teach, but He will bring all things to your remembrance. I mentioned it in passing this morning of how um, I believe it was in Sunday school. You study the Word of God, and the Word of God is the best way to learn the Word of God. It's better than commentaries. It's better than all the... The Word of God, it, you can learn the Word of God by the Word of God. And how the Word of God, sometimes, as I, I mentioned, as I was studying, as I study, the Word of God will bring up another passage. I mean, the, the Spirit of God will remind me of another passage that I've read at another time, and it will connect the dots. He brings to remembrance. Isn't that what Jesus said? Uh, the Spirit of God is going to remind you of some things that I've already taught you. And I can imagine in their mind, and you get the sense from the questions they're asking, well, if you're not here, how are we going to know what to do? How are we going to know how to make the decisions? And he reminds them that God, I'm going to, God is going to send you someone, the Holy Ghost of God, to teach you some things, but also bring to remembrance things that I've already taught you. And that's why parents instill in your children the Word of God. Because the Spirit of God can and will bring to remembrance things that they, they have learned. Well, that's why, Christian, you ought to digest the Word of God. You ought to read the Word of God. Well, Pastor, you know, sometimes I, I, I fall asleep, and sometimes I get done reading, I'm like, I don't remember anything that I read. This is, try and pay attention and try and stay awake, but this is a supernatural book. And the Spirit of God has the ability to bring to remembrance the things that we have learned. That's why it's important if you're able to be in the house of God, to be in the house of God. You may not need the message today, but six years from now, the Spirit of God has the ability to bring to remembrance something that was said from His Word. And from a John 14 perspective, we need to be reminded that we have the Spirit of God that ministers to us that will help us, instruct us, remind us. That's why, and I, I don't want to preach a whole message on the Spirit of God tonight, and that's probably coming in the next couple of weeks, but that's why we should not grieve the Spirit of God. That's why we ought to, we ought to, we ought to have a, a, a relationship with God where we take care of the sin in our life and we live according to the Word of God because we don't want to quench the Spirit of God in our life. And when the Spirit of God speaks to us and convicts us and brings things into our attention, we need to deal with it. Why? Because He has a ministry to us of instructing us. I believe, and only the Spirit of God can do that, can put a message on a preacher's heart, and He can bring it to a pulpit and have a, a, a myriad of needs and have people come from all different walks of life, have different burdens, have different problems, be saved different lengths of time and use one message and minister to the hearts of everybody there. No man can do that. 
but the Spirit of God can. We have to be where we are looking for the Spirit of God. And we fail in this, and, 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 and I'll move to the last point in just a moment, and I'll just mention this. We fail in our relationship with the Spirit of God. We talk to God the Father. Do you remember the last time you asked God for something? Perhaps, probably today. This morning, I, I mentioned for a few moments how we go to the Father and that Jesus said, come ask you on his behalf. But I wonder how many times would I feel all alone and the Spirit of God must be thinking, no, you're not alone. I'm here with you. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to minister to you. We need to be more aware of the Spirit of God in our life. We need to be more aware of His presence, and that's what Jesus is instructing them. They wouldn't fully comprehend it until they were filled and empowered by the Spirit of God. He says, I'm sending somebody to be with you. In, from a John 14 perspective, we have the Holy Ghost of God that ministers to the believer. The number four, I want you to give me your mind and your thoughts just for a moment. The fourth statement I'll mention tonight is this. The will of the Father must be done. We come to verse number 30 and verse 31. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. He alludes to the prince of this world cometh. Not too long after he gives us instruction, he is going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Then he's going to pray, and I paraphrase a little bit, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. God so loved the world that he gave. God the Father sent God the Son to pay the sin debt for mankind. It was the will of the Father for Jesus to be crucified. It was the will of the Father for Jesus to be mocked, to take upon him the sins of the world. I don't like to even think about what Christ went through on my behalf, on your behalf, what the perfect Son of God had to endure. The same Jesus, the same God, who one day will return in all of his glory, submitted himself, made himself of no reputation and was crucified and took upon him the sins of all mankind so that we could have access to the Father, so we could have forgiveness of sins, so we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. But it was the will of the Father that must be done. He's reminding them, what I'm telling you is the will of the Father, and it must take place. He says, the prince of this world cometh. Not, as he's praying, he finishes praying, not, thy will, not my will, but thine. Judas, possessed by Satan, leads the group that come and arrest him. He alludes to the fact that the prince of this world, Satan, is, is going to come. Of course, he is taken in this world system with the prince of this world pulling the strings, mocks him, falsely accuses him, falsely convicts him, and they crucify him thinking they've won a great victory. Of course, we know uh, three days later, Jesus came forth victorious out of that grave. And when he came forth, he had the keys of death and hell in his hand, and, 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 and he came forth victorious. And Satan did not win then, 
Satan is not winning now. He's not going to win in the future. But he alludes to the fact that the prince of this world cometh in that, in verse 31, and as the Father gave him a commandment, even so I do. He says, the will of the Father must be done. These men did not have a full understanding of what was going to take place. Christ had been alluding to what he was going to do. Christ had been teaching that this is my purpose for coming. They wouldn't fully understand until these events took place. And then as they were empowered by the Spirit of God in Acts chapter number 1, as they preached a resurrected Savior, uh, you see the advancement of the church. But let's not lose, fact that, uh, lose sight of the fact that the will of the Father had to be done. I make that point to make this point. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father so that salvation could be paid for you and I. What a thought. What a thought that the God who we have offended with our sin, the God who we have wronged with our sin, would love us enough to send his Son. That's why, don't come to me with the false doctrine that God condemns some to hell and some to heaven, and there's nothing man can do about it. Don't come to me with that, because it's the will of the Father. He sent his son to die for every man. That any man who puts their faith and trust in him shall be saved. That was the will of the Father for him to be submitted to. But do you realize that the will of the Father did not end when Christ was resurrected? It did not end when Christ ascended into heaven. Our Bible tells us very plainly that there's a time that only the Father knows. He has not even revealed it to His Son. He's not revealed it to the Spirit of God. The Father knows the time when He tells the angel to blow the trumpet. And the will of the Father is going to be done again. And Jesus is returning for His own. So as this world gets darker and darker, and it seems in the Scripture tells us that it's going to happen, it seems like more and more people seem to be disinterested in the things of God. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith because there's always somebody who's looking to be saved. There's always somebody who's under conviction and just needs somebody to show them the way from Scripture. But let me remind all of us, the day is coming when... The saints are being called home. The day is coming when the Father is going to say, it's time. And Jesus is calling all of us home. Don't We should be reminded from a John 14 perspective that the will of the Father is going to be done. And no matter what takes place in this world, it cannot subvert the will of the Father. It cannot subvert what God puts in motion to be done. Now, it's also a reminder to you and I that we ought to be about the will of the Father as well. What is the will of God for each and every one of us? Well, it's following the commandments of God. And don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't lose sight of the fact that God is in control. And just as at this moment... Jesus alludes to the prince of this world cometh. And it seemed like, can you imagine how arrogant Satan must have been? 
And it, just think of that picture of Satan entering into Judas and then Judas placing that kiss of betrayal. Satan himself placed the kiss of betrayal on the cheek of Jesus. Can you imagine the short-lived celebration as Jesus was mocked, blasphemed, beaten to the fact where he could not be even recognized as a man, nailed on the cross, and when Jesus said those words, it is finished, and Scripture tells us he gave up the ghost, and I remind us often, I remind us again, man did not take his life, he gave his life, man does not have that power over him. In the celebration that must have taken place with Satan and all of his demons. But three days later, Jesus came forth and conquered death and hell. And that's why you and I, we don't have to fear death today because Jesus conquered it. And just as the prince of that world seemed to be in control then, even the day we live in, he seems to be in control now. And I could really get off on this as you look at a, the spiritual realm and the, the spiritual warfare that the Christian is engaged in. He is the God of this world. That's why it's important for us, and I've titled this and I'll allude to it, that's why it's important for us to focus on the things that we're never going to have a, a, a Christian system in the United States of America. We never have. We've had Christian people fulfill those but the prince of the power of the air is in control of all of that. And how many times have we said to ourselves or anybody who would listen to us, these media, the devil's in control of them. You know, he's in control of all of it. It seems like whenever it seems like that he's in control and the time is coming, it's going to seem like he is in complete control. The will of the Father is going to be done again. And Jesus is returning. Jesus will take his rightful place as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow. How do we know that? Because God said it would. God said it would. So he was reminding them, men, he's given them all these things that's going to take place. I'm going to leave you. And he gives them a prelude. The prince of this world's He's coming. He gives them an insight of what's going to take place shortly. And he reminds them that as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. And if Jesus could humble himself to do the will of God, you and I should be seeking to do the same thing. But be encouraged, because the will of God's always going to be done. In other words, everything that God says is going to take place in this book is going to take place. That's why, Christian, you don't have to be disheartened by what's going on in this world because God tells us how it's going to end. God tells us what's going to take place. And he gives us instruction of what we're supposed to do until that trumpet sounds, until he calls us home. We're to be focused on those commandments. We're to be focused on the companion that we have. Uh, we're not to be disheartened by this world because we have the Spirit of God who ministers to us. Have you ever felt... When I'm closing, have you ever felt weak in your faith? Then you feel like you get some strength. 
Somebody says, oh, I've been praying for you. And you say, oh, I can feel the prayers. You couldn't feel their prayers wandering through the air and hitting you like a, like a, like a vitamin. What was that? I believe it's the Spirit of God that gives you, gives your spirit strength. It gives your body strength that you don't have. Because we have a comforter that helps us. Somebody goes through a heartache and we go through a tragedy. We pray prayers similar to this. Lord, may the Spirit of God comfort them that as only He can. Because it does something when our loved ones, when we offer our support, but there's support that the Spirit of God offers that no man can offer. We're not alone. We're not by ourselves. Just some, some, some further perspective from John 14. Father, I pray.